Welcome to Bridal Love Ministries podcast with Poppy Hopeflish. Good evening to you all. I trust you are all well. As Heidi said, I will share on the harvest is ready, the word that the Lord gave for that camp. We did it in November 29 on Heaven's View, and uh, about five, six weeks after that, they had a terrible fire and all the vegetation were destroyed. We went to see them about two weeks afterwards and you couldn't believe it. But we also saw how God protected them. It was like there was a ring of fire that kept away the fire, God's fire. And we really hoped to return there. We thought we would be there by the end of May to do Pentecost there, but not yet. So we have to make peace. The Lord knows what he's doing. So when I do this word, you that were on the camp will hear different things and uh, deeper revelations because this happened to me as I started to prepare. The Lord added a few things, of course, and hindsight always gives you more insight. And then on Monday, the 25th of May, Heidley will start presenting Living Prayers. And I really look forward to that, to take a break and just enjoy doing the living prayers and I trust you will join me. We have a lot to cover tonight so let us pray for wisdom and understanding. Thank you Father that we still have the freedom to come together like this tonight. We really know it's just because God is in control. We know if the enemy had his way we wouldn't even had this freedom. We thank you, Jesus, for your precious blood. We pray it over every family represented by those on podcast, by those who send it out to friends and friends who send it out to friends. Thank you that we know it is covered by the blood and wherever it is downloaded, the peace of the Lord will enter that house and that person. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to guide us, to teach us. We cry for extra wisdom and extra understanding, Lord, because we want to be able to read the signs of the times and to interpret them. And therefore we know the word on the harvest is ready was a very timely word and you gave it to us before all of this happened. We didn't know what was coming in 2020. We didn't even know about a thing called coronavirus, but you knew. And tonight, Father, I just want to say thank you that you gave us that word on that camp because it helped to prepare us for what happened now and also for what lies ahead and also to prepare our hearts for Pentecost. I ask for your anointing, Holy Spirit. I ask that I can just be like a garden host and that your water will just flow through me And that each one who sends this out to a friend and friends and family will pray your blessings upon it and 
the covering of the blood of Jesus over them. In Jesus' name, amen. The harvest is ready, 15th May 2020. Almost a year ago, on the 24th of May 2019, the Lord woke me up at 3 a.m. with these words, The fields are white in the world. Pray to the Lord that he will send more workers into the fields. That was Luke 10 too. And then he said, The harvest is ready. The harvest is mine. He repeated that three times like this. The harvest is mine. The harvest is mine. The harvest is mine. Each time his voice was louder and more urgent and I awoke almost with a fright. And the last time I also sensed possessiveness in his voice. The next morning as I prayed over this word he gave me scriptures. Luke 10 verse 1 to 20. We are going to have a walk through the Bible which I believe you will enjoy because the word is much more powerful than what I can tell you. Luke 10. Now after this the Lord chose and appointed 70 others and he sent them out ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to come visit. And he said to them, The harvest indeed is abundant, there is much ripe grain, but the farm hands are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And go your way, and behold, I send you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no provision bag, no chains of sandals, and refrain from retarding your journey by saluting and wishing anyone well along the way. And whatever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this household. And if anyone worthy of this peace and blessedness is there, the peace and blessedness you wish shall come upon them. But if not, it shall come back to you. And stay on in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whenever you go into a town and they receive and accept and welcome you, eat what is set before you, and heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come close to you. But whenever you go into a town and they do not receive and accept and welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we are wiping off against you. Yet no one understand this. The kingdom of God has come near you. I tell you, it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that town. And the next one was Luke 10 verse 13 to 16. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty miracles performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. However, it shall be more tolerable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted unto heaven? No, you shall be brought down to Hades, the regions of the dead. He who hears and heeds you, disciples, Years and heeds me. 
and he who slights and rejects you slights and rejects me and he who slights and rejects me slights and rejects him who sent me Luke 10:17 to 20 the 72 returned and the 70 returned with joy saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw satan falling like a lightning flash from heaven Behold I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall in any way harm you nevertheless do not rejoice at this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are enrolled in heaven He also gave Matthew 9 verse 36 to 38 When he saw the throngs he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd Then he said to his disciples The harvest is indeed plentiful but the laborers are few So pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. John 4:35 Do you not say it is still 4 months until harvest time comes? Look, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields and see how they are already white for harvesting. And the last scripture he gave me that morning was Ezekiel 8:9 to 13. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations that they do there so i went in and i saw their pictures of every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of israel painted round about on the wall and they stood before these pictures 70 men of the elders of the house of israel and in the midst of them stood jazania the son of safan the scribe with every man his censer in his hand and a thick cloud of incense was going up in prayer to these gods and then he said to me son of man have you seen what the elders of the house of israel do in the dark every man in his secret chambers of idol pictures for they say the lord does not see us the lord has forsaken the land and he also said to me yet again you shall see greater abominations which they are committing I read these scriptures over and over, but I could not make sense of it. At least the first three had the same theme, but I didn't know where this Ezekiel was to be placed in this puzzle. So I waited patiently, and a week later, on the thirty-first of May, again at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I heard him say, "Gather a group of seventy people together, women who are intercessors." and do in some way played a part in all that I have given to you to do that includes song of songs revelation end time teachings israel the book of enoch counseling healing and deliverance praise and worship and intercessory dancing and i will meet with you there and i will place my spirit which is resting upon you on them this is in preparation for what is coming Time is running out and your strength is weakening and your burden is too heavy. 
I could identify with time is running out, my strength is weakening and this burden is getting very heavy, especially after I just recovered from an illness. Then I realized he keeps on talking about 70. I thought 70 in the natural. And then he described it as 70 is not literal. It is a prophetic number. He gave me numbers 11, 16 to 17, and then 24 to 29. Let's read it. Numbers 11, 16 to 17. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon you, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not have to bear it yourself alone. That's when I understood what he was speaking about when he gave me the scriptures. Verse 24 to 29. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and set them around about the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took of the spirit that was upon him and put it upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied sounding forth the praises of God and declaring his will. And then they did so no more. But there remained two men in the camp named Eldat and Medat. The Spirit rested upon them, and they were of those who were selected and listed. Yet they did not go out to the tent as told to do. But they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran to Moses and said, Eldat and Medat are prophesying, they are sounding forth the praises of God and declaring his will in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the minister of Moses, one of his chosen men said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. But Moses said to them, Are you envious or jealous for my sake? Oh, would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. I was thinking in the natural, how would I get 70 women together? Those that I thought about were all living far away from Durbanville. And when the Lord gave me this scripture, I understood that wherever they were, this same anointing, the spirit that the Lord will place upon us at the camp will come upon anyone who wanted to be there and couldn't be there. And afterwards, there were a lot of testimonies that this is just exactly what happened. 70 represents spiritual leadership as we now saw with Moses in the Old Testament and as well in the New Testament. What he showed in Ezekiel 8, 9 to 13 is what had become of those leaders, the spiritual leaders. They moved away from God's ways and they were into idolatry. 70 is also the natural lifetime of a man as determined by God. He says in Psalm 90 verse 10, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, seventy years. Or even if by reason or strength, fourscore years, eighty years. Yet is the pride in additional years only labor and sorrow, for it is soon gone and we fly away. I took that personal way, he said, my strength is weakening. 
70 years is what the Bible says, unless the Lord strengthens you. The next meaning would really made me excited. 70 is also the number for an apostolic calling. If you've heard the word ap apostolic calling and apostolic ministry and apostle this and apostle that, and you wonder what it's all about, well, the biblical meaning of an apostolic calling, of course, you look to the disciples, what they did and what happened to them. You look to Paul, he was an apostle, what he did and what happened to him. So the definition of an apostolic calling is a sent one. Sent out to risk their lives for the destruction of idolatry in the name of Jesus. Like Gideon did, as we read in Judges 6, where he broke the altar and idols of his father. Like Elijah did on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. The Lord is looking for people, his bride is looking for them to go out to be willing to lay down their lives for the destruction of idolatry. The same kind of idolatry as what we saw in Ezekiel 8 verse 9 to 13. The Lord said to me, those pictures that the men were looking at that they had drawn on the wall, in our times, those pictures are on the TV and on the internet. Also, pornography is exactly the same thing. And they were staring and worshipping these idols while they were making incense, praying. What does it mean in our time? It's like standing in the church praying and worshipping, but tonight at home you sit and watch pornography. It's the same kind of sin. Every father of a house is an elder. He's the father of that house. So this is the message that the Lord gave. And he said, I'm looking for people to be able to do this, to lay down their lives, to speak up against all this idolatry. These people will have developed spiritual power and significance because of their walk of intimacy with me. This brings us back to Song of Songs. That's the bride. She's developed a walk of intimacy with the Lord. Therefore, she developed spiritual power and significance. Like Enoch did, as we read about him in Genesis 5.24. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God, and he was not, for God took him home with him. And in Hebrews 11.5, because of faith, Enoch was caught up, transferred to heaven, so that he did not have a glimpse of death, and he was not found, because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony still on record that he had pleased and had been satisfactory to God. Beloved, this is what the Lord wants. Again and again and again in the times we are living in, on all the news and the fake news that you don't know what is truth and what is lies, what is he telling us to do? Same as in Song of Songs. Walk in habitual fellowship with me come into intimacy with me tell the people why you choose to enter into intimacy deeper and deeper the more you see the destruction and evil around you it is to protect your faith and what does your faith tell you the lord said in matthew 24 when you see all these things happening around you 
scurry around and, and try and make a lot of warfare? No, he said. Look up and know your redemption is near. And that's the message we have to tell the people. We have to look up and know our redemption is near. Our caught up is near. Our being raptured is near. We are going to be transferred to heaven. We will not see a glimpse of death. We will not be found because God had translated us. And let it then be said of the bride. Afterwards, the martyrs will say, Well, before they were taken to heaven, many people, friends, family told me this. They testified about this, that they had pleased and that's been satisfactory to God. It's also an example of the five wise virgin brides who carried extra oil with them all the time. The oil of the anointing you receive through your intimate times with me. We did this all in Song of Songs. So this is almost a, a recap of Song of Songs. Then he says, These brides of mine will carry my mark of compassion for the lost and scattered sheep. The compassion will be evident in their eyes, their touch, their words of comfort, encouragement and correction. He says, I've marked them with my name on their foreheads and they love me with all of their hearts. When we did this word, the Lord told us it was the Saturday morning to write his name on our foreheads. I wondered which name and then he said, I have many names. Each one have to go and ask me which one of my names they must write on their foreheads. So it was an experience I can't describe in words when we got together Saturday morning at breakfast time and everybody was walking around with one of God's names on their foreheads. You would talk to somebody but you would stare at the name on their forehead. Wonderful when the Lord gives you prophetic acts to do. He says, be careful then how you walk and with whom you walk. For some of my sheep are mixing with the goats and are led astray. Pray daily for a spirit of discernment and for godly wisdom and understanding. And then he said it again. And remember, the harvest is mine and I'm coming soon. So it's not just a harvest field or the harvest field. It's God's harvest field that we are working in. In September 2019, we entered the year of 5780 according to the Hebrew calendar, which is the year of the mouth. In Psalm 81 verse 10, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He's telling you tonight, beloved, as he did in Song of Songs again, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it so that you will speak his words. And then he says, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it and I will put flames on your tongue in the same way I placed tongues of fire on the heads of my disciples at Pentecost. So for sure, at Pentecost, do this. Do a prophetic act. Tell him, Lord, I'm opening my mouth wide. Put your tongues of fire on my lips. Know this, beloved. 
this Pentecost of 2020 is very important. Yes, and it's no coincidence that we are locked down in our homes. Some of us very afraid, some not so afraid because you know you've got the blood of Jesus on the door of your heart. But we are locked in into our homes just like the disciples with no one to look to. To them, no one because Jesus was gone. But we can say no one to look to, only Jesus. All that they had was to remember his words. That's the same with us. Remember his words. Take this time up to Pentecost to prepare yourself for a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. Pray, fast, and know it's also the time for rescue and restoration. That's what he's got in store for us. Rescue and restoration. First for you personally, and many are experiencing the beginning of that. And then also rescue and restoration for our country. There's awesome prophecies lately about the restoration of our country. Even though it's going to be difficult, even more than now. And then the rescue and the restoration will come. And then also on the third level for the lost world. The lost sheep. And those who have lost their first love for me. Jesus says, especially pay attention to my sheep who have lost their first love for me. I paid a full price for my harvest and I want my full return. We did that in Song of Songs 8.11, you remember? And then Isaiah 7.23 And in that day, in every place where there used to be a thousand vines with a thousand silver shekels, there will be briars and thorns. As we know, it's a thousand. And then Malachi 2, verse 6 and 7 The law of truth was in Levi's mouth. He was a priest, a Levite. And unrighteousness was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should guard and keep pure the knowledge of my law. And the people should seek, inquire for and require instruction at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Beloved, that is your command as a priestly bride. We did a lot about the warrior bride. But you're also a priestly bride. What is he saying about our lips and our words? The law of truth must be found in our mouths. No unrighteousness on our lips. We must walk with him in peace and in uprightness and we must turn many away from their iniquities. For the priest's lips should guard and keep pure the knowledge of my law. We have to watch when people quote the word, how they quote it and how they interpret it. God, keep pure the knowledge of my law. And I can't help but say, when we do the living prayers, it's a walk through the Psalms. We will be busy with a pure knowledge of God's law, his Psalms. And because things are getting so flawed, 
and there's such a mixture going on, people will start to seek and inquire for and in require the instruction from your mouth because your spirit recognizes truth. And even though they are entangled in a mess of false words and false prophecies, deep down, they will recognize the authority and the purity and ask you for instruction. He says, I'm calling you to be my messenger. He's saying, my bride, will you give me your all? Will you surrender everything to me? Your time? your talents, your gifts, and your finances, all of these? Will you finish the race knowing your reward is with me? In Matthew three sixteen and 17, we hear, When Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he, John the Baptist, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my Beloved, in whom I delight. The Lord is calling you to be a forerunner. That the same may be said of you, that the Holy Spirit is upon you. And God wants to say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I delight. When you do these things, you see, the more we give to him, the more he wants everything. Surrender everything. Now, you know, in May 2019, we knew nothing of what was coming in 2020. We knew nothing of a coronavirus pandemic that would put almost the whole world in lockdown for months. But Jesus did. For he knows our past, our present and our future, individually as well as that of the world since its foundation. How wonderful and compassionate he is to give us this word that I am sharing with you tonight after we did Song of Songs. For they complement each other. I know all of you who really wanted to attend that camp will receive the same blessing and impartation we received in November 2019 because he said so. I now want to share with you some of the intercession words received before that camp so that you can see how God used the body of Christ to build the puzzle he gave us. We had four meetings, one per week. We were eight people who prayed at our home and some rotated. The intercessors who were unable to attend in person would send their word, their songs, scriptures, dreams and visions via email or WhatsApp so we could put it all together. And what a journey it was. Looking back, I am amazed. The first week, he said to us, Keep sowing even if it hurts. Psalm 126 verses 5 and 6 They who sow in tears shall reap in joy and singing. He who goes forth bearing seed and weeping at needing his precious supply for grain for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves 
with him. Beloved, do you feel sometimes you are sowing and sowing and sowing in tears? The Lord says, At needing your precious supply and giving it, sowing it, you shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with him. First in the natural, because everything has to do with the agriculture. He loves to speak in agriculture pictures. But it's also about souls, bringing in the souls with him. And then in Hosea 10 verse 12, he told us, Sow for yourself according to righteousness. Sow uprightness and right standing with God. For yourself, first of all, that's the message of Song of Songs. You are first, always. And then reap according to mercy and loving kindness. And then, beloved, I see there's still uncultivated ground in your heart. Break up this uncultivated ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Right now, during the lockdown, allow the gardener to come and break up the uncultivated ground. Seek him, inquire for him, and of him. Require his favor until he comes and teaches you righteousness and he rains his righteous gift of salvation upon you. You cannot go and try to rescue and restore the lost broken sheep, the wounded sheep, unless you have done this first. Sow for yourself righteousness and then you will reap mercy. This reminds us of Song of Songs chapter 4, where the bridegroom visits his bride in the garden to prune her so that she may bear more fruit. You remember that? Beloved, you have to be ready for two things at all times. First, be ready to sow and keep on sowing, even when it hurts. And then always remind yourself that you will be ready to receive your reward, as we saw in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. Secondly, always be ready for that day, that wonderful day when our bridegroom Jesus will call with a loud voice, Come up here. We've done that over and over. You've got to know where is the scripture about the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 17. So that's all that we have to do. Stay in intimacy with Jesus and keep on sowing, even if it hurts. And secondly, always be ready for that day. In Exodus 23, verse 16, he gave us that scripture to teach us about the feast of the harvest. Exodus 23 verse 16. Also you shall keep the feast of harvest, that's Pentecost, acknowledging the first fruits of your toil of what you sow in the field. And thirdly you shall keep the feast of ingathering, that's the booths or tabernacles feast at the end of the year when you gather in the fruit of your labors from the field. This command was given to Israel to rehearse every year as a sign 
the first fruit of your labor was to be offered up to the Lord and waved in front of him as a sign that the rest of your harvest will be plentiful because you gave him the first fruit. This is a prophetic act of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection when he himself was the first fruit to rise from the dead. He offered himself and then he waved himself before his father as the first fruit to rise from the dead. Knowing after this first fruit, which was Jesus, there will be a great harvest coming. Beloved, do you know that every time you raise your arms in worship to God, you are declaring that Jesus was the first fruit to rise from the dead and that you are part of the great harvest, all the rest of the fruit that will come in? I cannot for the life of me understand how people can make waves of all kinds of sport events, but not for Jesus. I often think even that the enemy stole. They'll make waves and waves, but they do not know that they are part of a great wave of first fruits for whom Jesus paid the price. The second feast is called the Feast of the Ingathering, as we saw in Exodus 23, verse 16. The Feast of Ingathering, the booths or Feast of Tabernacles. Now you gather in the fruit of the rest of your labor from the field. And this is a picture of the bride who will be gathered and raptured during the Feast of Tabernacles. We know from scripture that the rapture can take place on any day and at any hour. For Jesus said so. But it would be so like Jesus to do this on one of his special feast days. Like Pentecost. Which is coming soon, end of May. It is a possibility we can be gone. I watched a clip the other night where the pastor said, Don't just preach doom and gloom. When you speak about the end time things and revelation, he said, they tell me I preach doom and gloom. He said, I corrected them. Are we still going? Okay, we had a power failure. And then he said, no, I don't preach doom and gloom. I preach doom and boom. <laughs> so we're waiting for that big boom. No wonder our lights went out. Right now, when I was speaking about the boom. Remember, beloved, a feast is prophetic until it's fulfilled. Then it becomes history, such as Passover and Pentecost. They both have been fulfilled and are known in history. Why else does the world speak of before Christ and after Christ, whether they believe in him or not? His presence, death and resurrection on earth cannot be denied. So week one ended with keep on sowing even when it hurts. He gave a last scripture on that, Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our carriage and faint so don't lose heart if you did tonight pick it up 
Don't get weary, don't get faint in acting nobly and doing the right thing. In due time, at the appointed season, at the rapture, we shall reap. The second week. The Lord gave us different scriptures about compassion for the lost sheep. He wanted us to understand that His compassion for His lost sheep must become our compassion for His lost sheep. Again, the possessiveness. The harvest is mine. The lost sheep are mine. This is in line with Song of Songs chapter 5, where He came to His bride in the middle of the night as the man of sorrows. Remember? He wanted to share His heart and His sorrows with you, beloved. That's what He wants to do, like He wanted to do with the shepherd girl. Give him the opportunity and the time and the obedience to wake up when he wakes you at night. For he wants to share his heart and his sorrows with you. He gave us Psalm 2, the whole Psalm, verse 1 to 12. Let's read it. He said, Why do the nations assemble with commotion and uproar and confusion of voices? Doesn't it sound familiar? And why do the people imagine and meditate upon and devise empty schemes? The kings of the earth take their places, the rulers take their counsel together, all of them against the Lord and His anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. They keep having meetings, countries, big rulers, they take their places and they are all against Him, the anointed one. They say, let us break the bands of his restraint asunder. Let us cast their cords of control from us. Yeah, and then they want to control us. They don't want God's law to submit to, they call it control. But they are controlling. Verse 4, but he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision and in supreme contempt he mocks them. And he speaks to them in his deep anger and troubles. He terrifies and confounds them in his displeasure and fury, saying, Yet have I anointed, installed and placed my king firmly on my holy hill of Zion. And I will decree the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. This day I declare I have begotten you. God himself decrees and declares that Jesus Christ the Messiah is his son. Verse 8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. And this is what we will reap. If we keep on sowing, we will reap the nations as our inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as our position with Jesus. For you, he, Jesus, shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like potter's ware. Father God is speaking after the seven years when Jesus comes to judge the nations and put up his reign, the thousand-year peace reign. So he warns the rulers and the kings of the earth in verse 10, 
Now, therefore, O you kings, act wisely. Be instructed and be warned, O you rulers of the earth. O Lord, we pray that for our government tonight. We pray it for our prime minister, for our president. We pray it for all the country's great men, their kings, their ministers, their presidents, to act wisely, to be instructed by God, and to know they are being warned, O you rulers of the earth. And then the Lord says, Serve the Lord with reverent awe and worshipful fear, and rejoice and be in high spirits with trembling, and kiss the Son. Pay homage to him in purity, lest he be angry, and you, kings and nations of the earth, perish in the way. For soon, and very soon, shall his wrath be kindled. Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are all those who seek refuge and put their trust in him. And we understand why he spoke to us about his compassion for the lost sheep and the lost rulers and the lost kings of the nations. This psalm is specially written for them. He also gave us Matthew 9, 36 and 37. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them, because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. I was in a shop the other day and I just looked at the people because there's a, there's a atmosphere of depression. There's no joy. I didn't know what to do because people don't talk to each other. Because of these masks, you can't hear properly, you can't talk properly, so nobody bothers. And we have to keep our distance. And I felt this in my heart. I was moved with pity and sympathy for them. Because some looked so bewildered, harassed, distressed. Some looked dejected and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. And he's telling us the harvest is plentiful. Every soul ever born is part of the harvest. But the laborers are few. The brides those who choose to enter into intimacy, those who will not compromise, those who pray daily, Lord, give me wisdom, give me understanding, pour the love of God and His mercy and His compassion into my heart. And the Lord says, there are some of you who've been called to be His bride, like Jesus called some other people as well to follow Him, the rich man, Jesus said, after you've sold everything, come back and follow me. The same words he spoke to his disciples. But he couldn't do it because he couldn't part with his richness and his treasures. I think Nicodemus, if you watch The Chosen, it was so beautiful the scene where Jesus said the same words to him. Though that's not in the Bible, but it could possibly be. We don't know what they talked about that night. When Jesus said to him, follow me. And Nicodemus, 
couldn't lay down his reputation and his position. So he became a silent follower and only at the end he came to the front. But the Lord says, those who've heard my call and are not responding, I will force you out. I will thrust you out into my harvest field. So you can run away, but only up to a point, And then he will get you. In Isaiah 10.27, the Lord says, In that day, again when he comes, that the burden of the Assyrian shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness which prevents it from going around your neck. You see the anointing breaks the yoke. The Lord wants to endow you with more and more and more anointing. That's why your character had to be formed in the fire so that you will not fall because of all the anointing. And that anointing is not for you and it's not yours. It is His. And He wants to put it upon you. That when He said, I will put my spirit upon you. I will put my anointing upon you. And first of all, I'll break the burden on your shoulders and I'll take the yoke from your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the fatness that is because of the anointing you carry and when your burdens have been lifted and your yoke have been broken you will be able to do that for others he also gave us Zechariah 9 11 and 12 as for you also because of and for the sake of the covenant of the Lord with his people, which was sealed with and sprinkled with the covenant blood. I have released and sent forth your imprisoned people out of the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, O prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. The Lord wants to lift your burden, so he wants to break the yoke on your neck. He wants to break it by increasing the anointing that is upon you. And then he says, and remember, I have a blood covenant with you. That was when he married you, bride of Christ, in the wilderness. And he says, I've released you. I've sent you forth. You are imprisoned out of the waterless pit. I have taken you out of there. You are not a prisoner of the enemy or the world or the spirit of the world anymore. You are my prisoner, a prisoner of hope. And I will restore double your former prosperity to you. Whether it's in this dispensation of the church while we are still on the earth before the rapture, I don't know. It could be, but for sure I can assure you you will be restored double in the peace year, in the thousand year peace reign when that starts. That's always, first of all, what Jesus is talking about. He gave us also Isaiah 30 verse 15. Now what's so wonderful to me is not one person got all of this together. One person would get this verse, another one would get that one, another one would phone or send a WhatsApp or an email and say, I don't know what this means, but the Lord gave me this word. So we just put all the words down together, start to pray over them, and then we see what he is saying. He's speaking through his word. He sent Isaiah 
30 verse 15 and 20 and 21. Isaiah 30 verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning to me, in resting in me, intimacy, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. Verse 20 and 21. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any more. Your eyes will constantly behold your teacher. When? When will your eyes constantly behold your teacher? While you are eating the bread of adversity and drinking the water of affliction. That's when you hear him. And your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. You see, if you do not return to him, beloved, and you belong to him, and you do not rest in him, and you do not quiet your soul in a trusting confidence, he will allow you to eat the bread of adversity, to drink the water of affliction, but he will not hide himself from you. He will be very near to you. And you will see him constantly. And you will hear him constantly giving you direction every day, every moment. Saying this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. He also gave us Hebrews 12 verse 2. He said look away from all that will destruct you. Look to me, to Jesus. I am the leader and the source of your faith. I gave the first incentive for your belief. I'm also the finisher. I will bring your faith to maturity and to perfection. Because I, for the joy of obtaining the price that was set before me, I endured the cross. I despised and ignored the shame that came with the cross. I did it because I knew my joy would be I obtained the prize, my bride. I obtained the prize of that there will be no limit to how far I'll be able to stretch your face for you, beloved. And now I'm seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'm waiting for the moment that I can come to fetch you, my bride. That was week two. The scriptures about how we will pour compassion for the lost into your heart the third week he said rise up my warrior bride rise up and somebody sent me a testimony a prophetic word by a man called Eric Espinoza I'd have never heard of him but when I read it my spirit jumped the word he received on 10 October 2019 and this lady brought this word with her I'm going to read it. He writes, On waking up, I heard, The harvest is ready. My chosen few, you will stand in the midst of calamity and trials in full boldness and assurance that I am with you. You are my refined jewels, tested and tried by the furnace of fire. Malachi 3, verse 2 and 3. It was to prepare you, beloved, for such a time of this. It's almost here. 
I've got such an expectancy for Pentecost. 30th of May, all around that week. He says, you will shine bright amongst the heathens. You will do great exploits in my name. Daniel 12 verse 3. Remember I've made a covenant with you. As your commander and chief sent you to go, know this day that I will be amongst you to the ends of the earth. Deuteronomy 31.8 It is the Lord who goes before you. He will march with you. He will not fail you or let you go or forsake you. Let there be no cowardice or flinching. Fear not, neither become broken or spirit depressed, dismayed or unnerved with alarm. For it is I, your Lord, who goes with you, before you. I will march with you, my beloved. I said, rise up, my warrior bride. I will march with you. I will not fail you or let you go or forsake you. What a word to give us in a time such as this. I carry on with the prophecy. Much destruction will begin to become very shortly. Mm -hmm. That was written in October. Much, much sooner than expected. Yes, it happened in January. As the wars and rumors of war began to escalate, I say unto you, my mighty warriors of the Most High God, fasten your seatbelts in human terms. Brace yourself for calamity will strike at noonday, like a rooster who wishes to crow before the sun sets on high. What's he saying to us, beloved? He says, gird up your lions, blow the trumpet before the rapture occurs. Be ye ready, for my army will be unstoppable and unshakable, saith the Lord your God. Get ready, my sons and daughters, for your redemption draws nigh. Be ready and awake. You have been in the training in my army to be ready at all times during the day to report for duty, awaiting my appointed times to be called up to battle in the battlefield. The four angels holding back the four winds, another angel comes to seal the people of God. He calls to the four angels who had power to harm land and sea through the winds. Do not loosen the winds until the seals are on their foreheads. This comes from Revelation 7, 1 to 4. There's a special seal that we are being sealed with. That's why we wrote his name on our foreheads as a prophetic act. And then Matthew 22, verse 14. For many are called, are invited and summoned. But few are chosen. Who are called? Everyone. Who is chosen? Every person who responds to the call. You did. That's why you're listening to this word. You heard the call and responded. Now he says, call in the laborers to take up their position. Keep sowing. Shout it from the mountains. John 4, 35 to 38. Do you not say it's still four months until harvest time comes? Look, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields. See how they are already white for harvesting. Already the reaper is getting his wages. He who does the cutting now has his reward, for he is gathering fruit unto life eternal, so that he who does the planting and he who does the reaping may rejoice together. 
For in this the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you, beloved, to reap a crop for which you have not toiled. Did you hear that? I'm sending you after Pentecost to go and reap a crop, beloved, for which you have not toiled. Other men have toiled. Other men have labored. And you, my bride, have stepped in to reap the results of their work. We are entering a season where all the prayers that were prayed over the years, over the decades, are coming into fulfillment. Because we are the last generation. We are the generation that saw the birth of Israel, 1948. We will also see the rapture. That's why he is sending us. Go and reap my crop. Go and reap my harvest. And uh, the cutter and the planter, the prayer person and the one who reap will all receive the same reward. One is not above the other. Know that you are not just entering a field where there was no preparation. There are prayers hovering over people who has to come in fulfillment. And sometimes same place you will be the one to lead that person to Christ, to lead that lost one back to his first love. Be ready, be alert for this. And he assures us in Psalm 30, verse 5, For my anger is but for a moment, but my favor lasts for a lifetime. Yes, beloved, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We may be sowing with tears, sowing even when it hurts, but joy will come in the morning. That's what he assures us of. We were busy with the book of Enoch just before the lockdown. In chapter 12, Enoch tells a parable where people are compared to stars. Every righteous person, every bride, is like a star appearing. The day you were born again is the day you made your entrance. Every year after that is a revolution around the sun. What did you do with it? Enoch watches as each star is measured according to his works. How bright was your light? How much territory did you gain for the kingdom? How much time did you get to let your light shine brightly, to win souls, to comfort and encourage the brokenhearted, and to seek, find, and rescue the lost sheep? Did you keep the faith, beloved? Did you help others not to lose their faith? And did they help you? Enoch sees the angels writing everything in a book, every detail of your life, beloved. We need each other. We need to see and hear how other brides of Christ are struggling to keep the faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. We must testify. Testify about His goodness and faithfulness, but also about our doubts and struggles and how we get through them. We must stop faking that everything is okay when it is not. We must be real in our victories as well as in our failures. Just like the shepherd girl in Song of Songs was. 
Let's read 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 8 and 10. Paul is saying to Timothy and to you, his bride, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge to the living and the dead, and in the light of his soon coming and his kingdom, in the light of that, herald and preach the word, keep your sense of urgency, stand by, beloved, be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you, as a preacher of the word, are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuke them and correct, warning and urging and encourage them. Be unflagging and inexhaustible in your patience and teaching. For the time is coming, when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction, but have ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. And they will turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. But as for you, my bride, be calm and cool and steady. Accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Fully perform all the duties of your ministry. For I am already about to be sacrificed. My life is about to be poured out as a drink offering. This is the time of my spirit's release from the body. It is at hand, and I will soon go free. Paul knew his time was coming to die. His body was a seed sown in the soil, which brought a huge harvest. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept and firmly held the faith. And now what remains? There's laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me and recompense me on that great day. And not to me, Paul, only, but also to all those, to you, beloved, who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearing, his return. In verse 10, he laments the fact that his friend Demas has deserted me for love of this present world. Oh beloved, do you know people like that who used to serve the Lord with you that just got lost because of love for this present world? Maybe you should reach out to them. Ask the Lord to create the opportunity and to prepare the heart and then go. The last week, week three, he spoke about this that our bodies are sown in death and sowing again all away. 1 Corinthians 15, 37 and 38 Paul is explaining, Nor is the seed you sow then the body, which it is going to have later. It is a naked kernel, perhaps of wheat or some of the rest of the grains. But God gives to it the body that he plants and sees fit, and to each kind of seed, a body of its own. 
verse 43. It is sown in dishonor and humiliation. When you are buried in the ground, your body is sown in dishonor and humiliation. But it will be raised in honor and glory if you die before the rapture. All those who waited for the rapture and who have went on ahead of us, their bodies were sown in dishonor and humiliation, but their souls and spirits are with the Lord. And that body will be raised on the day of the rapture in honor and glory. It was sown in infirmity and weakness, but it will be resurrected in strength and endued with power. Isaiah 32 verse 20 Happy and fortunate are you who cast your seat upon all waters when the river overflows its banks for the seed will sink into the mud and when the waters subside the plant will spring up you will find it after many days and you will reap an abundant harvest. So keep on sowing. Cast your seat upon the waters. And if, even if problems like rivers start to overflow and that seed that you've sown so long ago seems to be sunken into the mud, wait. When the troubles are over, when the waters of our troubles subside, there's a plant springing up, beloved. You will find it after many days and you will reap an abundant harvest. The last scripture he gave us was Ephesians 4, 1-5. The unity in the body of Christ. Therefore, I the prisoner of the Lord appeal to and beg you to walk and lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness and with patience. Bearing with one another and making allowances because we love one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to God and keep the harmony and the oneness of produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as there is also one hope that belongs to the calling you've received. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And one God and Father of us all, who is above all, sovereign over all, pervading all and living in us all. When we look around us, we see there are many churches, denominations and ministries. But what did we hear? But there's only one body, the body of Christ, of which he is the head. Beloved, this means you can be without a church or a church building like we have now. For a time or a season, also now during the lockdown, you without your church or your church building. And you can stay that way if Christ so wants it. And yet, you can still be a part of the body of Christ. Accountability to each other is what matters. We testify to each other. We are covering each other. Covering comes from a relationship for your protection, not your control. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then He is your covering and He prays for you. 
And on top of that, if you have relationships with other brides, they care for you and pray for you and vice versa. You are each other's covering. But there's one body, one faith, and one bride. But there's two harvests. The first harvest is for the righteous bride. When the bride gets raptured, she becomes the first fruit of the nations. She, the first fruit, will be followed by a large crowd of fruit, the martyrs, who will follow the bride, but only in spirit and soul during the tribulation. After the seven years of tribulation, they too will receive their glorified bodies, and together the bride and the martyrs will be his full harvest. You see, beloved, the number of the brides will be small. The number of the martyrs will be a great harvest. That's why it is so important what you are doing and saying now, while we still have time before the great boom and we are gone. The bridegroom Jesus will then have his full return for the full price that he paid Song of Songs, chapter 8. If the first harvest is for the righteous bride, for whom is the second harvest? The second harvest is when he comes to judge the unrighteous people and the nations. The second harvest is after the rapture. You, beloved bride, you are a forerunner, like John the Baptist was. He had to point out the Lamb of God, Jesus, to the people because they did not recognize him. John knew his calling. God told him, The one on whom you see the Spirit, like a dove, he is the one. That's why he could do it with so much authority. God told him so himself. He had intimacy with God. And so it is with us, beloved. We will keep on pointing out the bridegroom king, as the shepherd girl did in chapter 3 of Song of Songs. We will keep on pointing out the bridegroom king, who he is, and that he's coming back, when he is going to return. We'll keep on talking about that until the day we are taken out of the way, the rapture. And yet, with all this, when John the Baptist was taken captive, and Jesus did not come to rescue him, he started doubting if Jesus was the one. See, beloved, that's a lesson, a warning we must see. John remained human. He lost faith. So he sent someone to ask Jesus, Are you the one? Or must we look for another? And yet, Jesus said about John the Baptist, of all men born, there was none greater than John the Baptist. He does just judge him. He understood. And John was encouraged by Jesus' answer. Go and read it, Luke seven twenty-eight, and the next verses. Beloved, he's saying the same of his bride today. He's saying of, of all the groups, none is greater than the bride, the end time bride. 
same thing that happened to John the Baptist will happen to us. Situations may come where the enemy will target you because you're a forerunner. He wants to get your focus off Jesus and to remove you from your calling. Yes, things may get so tough that we too want to doubt what we believe. And that's when we need each other. To help point each other back to Jesus, to our faithful bridegroom, King of the universe. To remind each other, He is coming soon. And the Spirit and the bride says, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And He answers, Behold, I'm coming soon. Do you hear it? Lastly, Please allow me to share my own testimony with you concerning being a forerunner. In early 2019, during the preparations for election day, we became involved with the ACDP and Stephen Louis Swart because the Lord said so. We were invited to go and pray in Parliament. And there we did a prophetic act of the crossing over the Jordan River. As we were praying, the Lord told me to put the ends of my two flags, my Israel flag and South African flag, together. The South African flag stick had a little round ball at its end, and the Israel flag had a pointy kind of arrow-like end. As we prayed and asked for forgiveness for our country rejecting Israel, my hands felt very heavy as I kept pressing the sticks, the points of the sticks, together. I opened my eyes to see what I was doing. I looked at the two points. The Israel arrow was pushing hard against the South African ball. The Lord said, It is not you, South Africa, that penetrates Israel with your prayers. It will be Israel's arrow the Son of God, who will penetrate South Africa, the ball on that stick, and conception will take place. Only now as I prepared, I realized, and revival will be birthed. That's what the Lord said. I believe, as we intercede for and bless Israel, South Africa will be blessed with revival. For the arrow of God, Jesus the Messiah, will penetrate us with revival. There are so many prophetic words about this coming revival quoted by the body of Christ that I just felt led to add this one to all the others as another confirmation. And then, shortly after that, on Voters Day, the 8th of May, I fell ill and was later diagnosed with colon cancer. At first, I could not understand what happened. I was in the middle with the book of Enoch that I'm writing. We had just finished the glorious harvest camp and we were very busy praying for the election. And now this. Only now I understand and I can share with you. I was targeted by the enemy, and God allowed it, so that he could spend time with me. I was very busy in his vineyard, see, and I'd forgotten that he said he always wants a thousand of me, of my time, 
of my thoughts, not two hundred. Song of Songs, chapter eight. It was a difficult road for six months, where I was just laying on his chest, sometimes weeping, sometimes laying, just laying without words, feeling very unspiritual. When I finally left the hospital and walked down the passage, I heard a voice behind my ear. It is over. It is finished. I asked him, what is the difference between over and finished? He replied, when you comfort a little child who had to endure much pain to get healed, you say, it's okay, okay, it's all over meaning the pain and confusion. It's okay, it's over. And when I say it is finished, I mean it can never happen again. I always have the last say. And so I was completely healed, praised God. Not with an instant miracle as I prayed for and hoped for, for I knew he could do it, no. It was to be a road of suffering and pain. And during this time, he released a level of compassion for the weak and the sick and the lost in my heart, such as I've never experienced before. So thank you to all of you who prayed for me. I was covered by the body of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that I could deliver this word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will lift up the parts that each one has to hear for himself or herself. And I want to thank you tonight for the awesome privilege, Lord, of ministering specifically to your bride. And I acknowledge it is your bride as it is your harvest. Everything is yours. And I pray for every bride that will minister to other brides. And that we will keep each other accountable and covered through relationships. And that our relationships will deepen even more. And that all together we work in the harvest field with you, not for you, with you. Fill us with yourself, Lord Jesus. That we won't even recognize ourselves. Not knowing how did I do this? How did I say that? I don't even know. Because I know the only thing I know. It isn't me. It is him in me. In you. In her. In him. Thank you that this is the time that you have prepared us for to be in oneness for you, with you. 
as you send us out. Thank you that we don't have to wait and tarry until you thrust us out. We've come willingly, Lord. And we're praying for those who are still wavering, knowing they are called. But they got hurt. They're afraid to try again. Show them to us, Lord. And show us how to rescue them and restore them. So that the workers in your field can increase. Because the harvest is ready, waiting for us. We see it on the news everywhere we look and read. People are ready. But they don't know where to go or to whom to go. Send us out, Lord. We are part of your seventy. And we will break down idols everywhere we see it in your name. And we will proclaim the truth. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Thank you.